I'm Adam Pendlebury. I'm Pete Rees. I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Barry Worthington. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. We're going to start off this evening, as usual, with a reaction to the latest game, Hull City 2, Wigan Athletic 1. And we've got a special guest with us this evening, and we're going to take him to task a little bit, because he said on last week's podcast that we'd beat Hull City 2-0, and that is Ant from the Hull and Back pod. Now, what was you playing at last week with that forecast? I know they've made me look daft, don't they? I promise you, from QPR onwards, the entire month of September, we were just, we were dire. We didn't score a goal. Confidence was at an all-time low. And, you know, interim manager in charge, not, no real direction. And then against a, a Wigan side that's unbeaten away and a very physical team, good at set pieces, everything pointed to a Wigan win. It, it just didn't go that way, did it? I promise I've not got a smug smile on my face. Listeners, he has. <laughs> we went to goal up. It was inevitable that either Will Keane or Josh McGuinness would get the opening goal. But seeing as he's our top scorer, it was Will Keane. I thought it was a, a really good little move between Power took the throw-in, knocked it to Asgard, he knocked it back to the Niambi, Niambi fed, fed it through, Asgard was unmarked, and they had time to pick out a, a really decent cross to the near post, Wilkie edited it in, and then we was all rubbing our hands, thinking, this is it, this is where the capitulation comes, we're going to steamroll them here, but it didn't happen. No, it did not. Our, our usual game routine for the last month or so has been start relatively okay, concede a sloppy goal, Heads go down and then we lose by two or three goals. Like I was doing, I do a game on Twitter now where we, what minute are we going to concede our second goal in? So as soon as that first one went in, I thought, here we go. Because we couldn't score goals. So as soon as we go a goal down, that usually means we're losing the game. And then straight away, because I actually thought we started the game really well uh, compared to recent standards. And then that went in and I thought, nah, well, when you looked out, uh, it was poor defending, I think, from our perspective. I don't know why there was such an overload on that side. I don't know where our left back was. Cal Meldery was somewhere in the middle of the box. I'm not entirely sure why he was there. Left the space, obviously, it was a good ball in and obviously... Like you say, it was going to be Keane or McGuinness once it put it in. But I thought we reacted well. And uh, Wigan, I thought, should have probably kicked on from that first goal. And you didn't seem to. I thought you seemed to sit back a bit. I think we were all a bit mystified at why we didn't kick on from scoring that first goal. Because it was a match I was I was, I was a little bit nervous about. Simply because Wigan Athletic is sometimes that, uh, that well-known charitable institution that likes to award points to teams who were down on their luck. And I thought there was a danger of that happening last night with the, the that you've been on the way it started off oh, yeah I don't, I don't like this we got the goal and I thought yeah I thought your heads were going to go down and I thought we were going to practice it to the cleaners we just never kicked on from that at all we couldn't keep hold of the ball we were punting it forward to nobody in particular from our point of view very very poor performance but I have to say I was very surprised by Paul City I've seen worse teams this season already without a shadow of a doubt I thought you had um, a lot of enthusiasm and, and, and actually played with confidence, which I was surprised about. I think a lot of the new signings, perhaps application and, and character had been called into, um, you know, question in, in, in the last month or so. Uh, you know, we've got signed a lot of attacking talent, but, you know, maybe players that aren't going to want to con- uh, to compete defensively, which has just left our defence so vulnerable in recent weeks, hence why we've got the worst you know, defence in the country is we just can't stop shipping goals in. And, you know, Andy Dawson didn't really have much time to tinker with the team for the looting game because obviously it was only announced during the day. This looked like he'd, he'd been on the, on the on the training ground, he'd worked with them. There was a couple of interesting tactical choices he made. You know, he played 
when we first saw the team, we saw two right backs. Obviously, he had Cyrus Christie and Louis Coyle on, so we didn't quite know how he was going to set that up. But he played them both on the right side. You know, played Christie as the more advanced one, I think, you know, just to give us a bit more solidity. And he played Ozan Tufan, who's usually our, like, number 10, a bit deeper. And he switched Pelkas from the wing into that number 10 position that he says it's his natural position. And I think it just looked more natural. I think players were, were more comfortable. Defensively, we're actually pressing as a team. One thing that infuriates me as a Hull City fan this season, well, under Shotter anyway, was we'd get the ball into a crossing position on the edge of the opposition box, and then we would turn around and pass it back to the defence and start again. Whereas, you know, you've got a, a, a very good opportunity to just cross the ball in. You just, you just sit there and go across the ball, but and they never would. But against Wigan, we saw that, you know, they were, they were crossing from deep. They were asking questions of the defence and we were creating chances, which is something we've not done, you know, since the beginning of the season. And it was refreshing to see. And it's clear that, you know, Dawson, whilst only in interim charge, um, obviously had a bit of an influence and effectively shoved a rocket somewhere. Based on what you were saying last week, it to me like Hull City had a lot of uh, quality individual players and it seemed like they were almost fur weather players in a sense that when it wasn't going well, they might disappear and it, it seemed you seem to suggest that there should have been a few changes made and maybe a couple of these luxury players dropped to the bench but potentially through the week something has changed maybe in mentality something has changed in attitudes because I actually thought at times Hull played some decent decent stuff that got into some decent positions. I think what was disappointing from our perspective is that we didn't do the usual things well that we do well. Crossing, yeah, we great cross for the goal and there were a couple there on, but wasn't fantastic. Given the fact that you said you were very poor with your defending of set pieces, whenever we got a corner, I was getting quite excited. I was thinking this is a dead cert goal. Little did I think that... Uh, <laughs> The goal, your second goal, came from from a set piece directly. I think, if I recall, um, you know, just direct header, which I don't think we've seen that for a while. So I think the manager must have made some difference because it, it kind of went again. I'm, I'm not doubting your expertise as a <laughs> podcaster, by the way. But it seemed to go, everything seemed to go completely against what you actually said in your preview, which is surely a good thing for Hull City. Yeah, no, it is. It, and the, the reason we won was because it went against everything that, you know, I'd said. But everything I said was based on, you know, the last month. We didn't score a single league goal in the month of September. The only goal we scored was an own goal, and that was Alfie Jones against Luton. So, you know, we, we, we've been really poor. But I, I do think when you look back at it, that perhaps the previous manager didn't have the backing of the players or the understanding perhaps of, you know, how to get the best out of them and, and what system, you know, it could use to, I, I just, we didn't have an identity would probably be the easiest way to, to put it. We've got a lot of attacking players and, you know, I think it's always hard to, I think we signed 16, 17 players. I know the vast majority of them are injured at the minute, which is a problem, but it's still going to take time for these players to, you know, adapt uh, to this league and, and, and form those partnerships that's been, constantly interrupted through an, an absurd injury curse but it's looking like we're starting to get a bit of a settled side like that game was just the polar opposite to what any of us expected you, you could look on Twitter and every City fan was very refreshed, uh, refreshingly surprised by the performance levels and the way that we actually defended as a unit you know switching two fan to a bit deeper was a, a genius stroke you know he, people were, were, were questioning you know his, his, his weight and things like that and his his fitness levels but he he didn't stop running for 90 minutes too fan. I was very impressed. And Louis Coyle, again, silencing his doubters. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a scapegoat, is Louis Coyle, but his, his cross for Pelkas' first goal was fantastic. And, 
he worked really well with Christie's. So that was another good decision from Dawson. But you know, he was saying in the in the press conference, Dawson, before the game, that he's been saying to them on the training ground, "Look, you've got to work hard. You've got to make your own luck in this game. If you continue coasting through games, and you, you're going to continue losing, you know, you've got to be playing for your places. There's a potential new manager sat up in there watching you. You know, you're playing for your places now." go out there and show everybody what you can do. And I think they did exactly that. But I'm, I'm going to come back to your comment about set pieces because I was a complete opposite. Every time you got a set piece, I was petrified. <laughs> so it was up until that full-time whistle, I was absolutely petrified that we'd concede at any minute. That's how uh, wobbly our defence is at the minute. But thankfully we held out. Going to, to the both the goals, I thought both goals were executed very well. I don't think Amos had any chance with either. Sorry. Sorry, but I've got to, I've got to pull you up there that First goal, it, it Amos didn't put his arms up. I'll tell you what I think about that. I mean, for me, that goal was created through our left-hand side forward line not getting back into position. That's where that goal mm. came from. I, I think it was point blank, Pete. It was, he, yeah. Connected with it, and it, bearing in mind, Amos had charged across the goal as well to get them. He could have done a Schmeichel and gone in with his arms up in the air like a like a starfish or, or whatever, you know. But he was unlucky. It hit his shoulder and it went into the back of the net. But if you set your mind back to where that goal came from, we had a counter-attack and we were attacking. Tello Asgard had Ryan Niambi on his right-hand side, creating a bit of space, and he knocks the ball out to him. But he played it slightly behind him, which made Niambi not... not run onto, you know, I think he'd have preferred to run onto it and then hit hit the cross in. So he's, he's run towards it. He's had to stop slightly, then not the cross in. And it's, it's hit the first defender. But if you watch the goal again, if you watch that incident again, you see all the forwards, all the forwards, and I'm talking here, Asgard, McGuinness, Keane, Broadhead, all vacate the left-hand side and move to the right-hand side of the area. So th- th- when the possession's won, with nothing on our left at all. And you see Tom Pierce scampering back with two players coming at him, wondering how he's going to cover this move. It was a great cross. You can't, you know, you can't take anything away from that cross. But for me, that goal came from us being wasteful in the opposition half. And also, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, and I hate criticising our players, but I can see why Nathan Broadhead is an impact sub at this moment because defensively he's not got it. When people were calling Callum Lang the other week, I think last night showed that that Lange brings a lot more to the team that than at this moment in time Nathan Broadhead does. And I'm not disputing he's a good player with he's got a good career ahead of him. I can see why he's an impact sub. Just very quickly, Barry, I know you are you, you are being harsh on last night because blaming Tom Pierce, I mean when he wasn't even in the squad. Uh, I suspect you meant Tom Naylor. Is that what I said, Tom Pierce? (laughs) Well, that was a bit of a Freudian slip, actually, because, again, at the end of that game, I was thinking, where's our left-backs? We've got James McLean playing left-back. For a start, he's wasting because he's more offensive. He should be up the pitch, causing trouble. But he's not a left-back. And I know he's played internationally left-back, but he's still... We've got two left-backs at the club, possibly three that we're not so sure about yet, but definitely got two. Can we not play a left-back, please, at left-back? Please. Please. And as Christie, as uh, Ant said earlier, I thought a really good game, pushing McLean back, didn't he, as well? So I think it looks like at the moment there's only one guy smiling. There's five of us on here and there's only one guy smiling. Ant, I've got to ask this because the listeners will be wanting to know. As an opposition supporter, and be brutally honest, what did you make of us last night? I thought you were a very physical side. You look very difficult to play against. You can clearly see why, you know, you've done so well away from home because you've got, you know, the kind of team that's 
it's going to impose themselves on on the home side and make it difficult and you know frustrate them. And when home fans start getting on the backs, it's not going their way. That's when the that's exactly where the away team wants to be, isn't it? But I do think that, like you say, it surprised me that McLean was in left back because I, I don't I think that you know you you're wasting his talents from the top end of the pitch with him being down there. And I did think that we uh, our right side had a good bit of joy going down his side. I think that the balance of your team looks very good. Going back to your your, your goal with Amos, you see, when Amos was here on loan, I was never the biggest fan of him but I do think there wasn't much he could have done about either of those goals so you know from when I was watching the game I was always scared that you were going to score you know you were putting the ball in the box you know Keane had a couple of chances you always look like you're a threat which obviously I think in the championship is a very big plus because if you're not creating chances or you don't have an identity then you will struggle as we found the last month you know you've got to at least have something play to your strengths and I think we can do that thanks for that that's an honest appraisal and it's uh, it's good to hear that I- I, th- I mean, there's a lot when you lose. There's a lot of negativity. Come, obviously, comes about. But I mean, oh, yeah. to consider that we're at this stage of the season, early doors. You know, we're in the top half, twelfth. Everybody would have taken this at the start of the season. Yeah. Anyway, the stats from last night's game: fifty-seven percent possession. So we, we we killed the possession. Hull had eleven attempts with five on target. We had twelve with four on target. Corners, you won that one as well, and nine to five, you won that. Fouls, you committed 13, we committed 10. There were four yellows, three went to Old City. And you call us physical. What's going on here? Josh I think, um, yeah, I think there was, um, I, I wanted to pick the point on Josh McGuinness actually, because I think that he went into the game. I don't know if this was an instruction from his manager or just McGuinness as a person, because I know what kind of player he's like in the changing room. You know, he's, he's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? But I thought McGuinness went into that game just wanting to wind everybody up. I think if he spent more time trying to hold the ball up and create chances than kick 10 lumps of crap out of Jacob Graves, I think, you know, you might have got a more positive result. But I, I think he just, I don't know if he was maybe encouraged to try and wind some of his old mates up kind of thing, because he, he was... In one of those sort of moods, like, you know, when Wigan had set pieces, he was there and thereabouts, referee were having a go at who he was involved with, etc. I did think that he was, um, I think he went in with the game plan, definitely. I think he was slightly lucky to stay on the pitch himself after that incident with Coyle because he kicked out at him and then they went literally head to head, pressing heads. It, it, It could have, on another day and perhaps with more scrutiny in the Premier League or something like that, it could have been a red card for him. Mm. But I thought Coyle was lucky to stay on the pitch as well because he got a yellow card for that incident. But a little while later, wasn't didn't seem to be covered much on uh, I follow. But he put in a, what I thought was a quite a dangerous challenge on James McLean. And I know Barry's put um, a couple of still stills on um, on Twitter about that, and it just confirmed what I thought that was it was it was a dangerous challenge and. I'm not. I'm not even sure that it got blown up for a foul, did it, Barry? I can't remember. No, in fact, Hull got a corner off it. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. No, I do agree with you. I, I, I thought Kyle was quite lucky to be on the pitch, but then again, the officiating at this level is 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 terrible to say the least. You'll you'll find that yeah. every game there's two or three decisions that you know were rather poor. Better than League One, though. Well, we were all right in League One, so kind of let it slide <laughs> right and thank you very much for joining us on this reaction bit of uh, the podcast thanks Ant thanks no worries guys thank you good luck for the rest of the yeah. season yeah. we'll see you New Year's yeah. Day down at our place until then see you later thank cheers, you Ant. see you later right. guys cheers Ant. Yeah. there has been a bit of negativity there always is following a defeat isn't there especially a match that we'd hoped or even expected to win but I think I think people have missed already 12th 12th in 
in the championship with a game in hand, which if we were to win, would still, I think, still be in the playoffs. But I think people are missing the point that we're, we're an immature championship team at the moment. We're still learning. And I think the problems that we've talked about there at left back um, and uh, and I didn't think we did so great down all right either. I think we conceded a lot of crosses from there as well. I think it shows we still need a lot of team building to get this this team right. And I think we probably needed another two or three tra- transfer windows to build a decent team. So I think people need to keep things in perspective, as always, don't they? Of course they do. Saturday, we're back at the DW Stadium when Cardiff City will be the visitors, fresh from their win over Blackburn Rovers. And there's a little bit of controversy in that game, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. But I'd just like to welcome Brandon Richards to the podcast. I am Brandon from uh, the Swaz Pod, the Cardiff City podcast, and yeah, I'm really happy to be on. It's a pleasure to be here. Why I mentioned it, what did you make of that game against Blackburn and the controversial ending to it as well? I will be honest, out of all the games I've seen this season, I was probably like most pleased. And that was a game I thought, wow, we really deserved the three points here, which we did get. And I felt we fully deserved it. But such a crazy game. I felt like the ref just added out for us from the, from the get-go, to tell you the truth. Then I showed towards the end of the game, brilliant goal taken by Mark Harris. Sparky, we call him, one of our own. Such a relief and got a lot of pleasure out of seeing him putting a an unbelievable finish, to tell you the truth. And the thing is, as Cardiff fans, we know he's got that in his locker. We've always known he's got that in his locker. So for him to um, pull that out was pretty special. And then poor penalty decision, I felt. But then Ryan Olsop, our keeper we just brought through in the summer, who a lot of Cardiff fans are, are becoming, he's becoming a bit of a cult hero, to be fair. And he's only just come through the doors um, last summer. And then for him to make the save, it was uh, it was pretty special, yeah. But Blackburn has scored. The referee brought it back for a penalty, which was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, like I said, I thought we uh, deserved the three points. We did deserve the three points. And, but the ref... If you look at the, if you actually do look at the uh, recording back, the ref does blow for the penalty before he does kick it in. But I felt like we deserved the three points anyway, so it was uh, it was what was deserved. I thought. Well, that's fair enough then, isn't it? If you deserved it, <laughs> that was your your fourth win of the season. You've drawn three and lost five. Fifteen points, scored nine goals, and mm. conceded twelve. For me, looking at those stats, it seems like you've had not a, a brilliant start, but not a poor start either. You've just, you've had an okay t- start to the season. Are you pleased with it? Me personally. I'm pleased with it, and I, and also I think the season's going to go on because a lot of Cardiff City fans, we we said a lot on our podcast, we look at this season as sort of a free hit because in the summer we've had 17 new players come through the door, young players, old players. Obviously, we had a, we had Steve Morrison as the manager, and obviously um, we relieved him, so, and we just brought in Mark Hudson to interim. It's one of them seasons where, to be honest, as long as we don't go down, it's how I feel, personally. as long as we don't go down and our young players and our players progress and we have somewhere to build towards and the football's better, that's all I care about. It's more like performance-based, I, I sort of look at it. Every game is, how are we, how is that performance getting better or getting worse? So, um, so far at the start of the season, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to what, what we're seeing. Um, we completely changed the style of football from last year, which is amazing to see. But we've been playing sort of that Route 1 style of football for the past 10 years, to be honest, because that's, that's what helped us get to the Premier uh, back down. To actually see us playing football, putting the ball on the floor, a couple of our more tricky players taking on players yeah it's, um, it's been really really well to see really good to see you mentioned uh, about Morrison Steve Morrison's got the boot do you think it was the right decision well it's been a lot of controversy yeah in the fan base about this but me personally I've always felt and from what I've been told as well from different um, different sources is that it was a complete personality issue with Steve Morrison he wasn't sacked or relieved of his duties, as the club mentioned there, on um on a football. It wasn't a footballing decision. I don't feel anyway because footballing decision, 
You couldn't really argue. He was doing what he said. Some people thought it was a perfect fit. He was doing what he was saying to do, but it was a personality issues. And and a lot of players, well, I say players, a lot of sources, let's say at the club, as I said, he is a bully type character. And especially with our younger players, he would be that type of way towards them. And it wouldn't rub off on a lot of players at our club. And then I heard there was a bit of conflict between him and higher people up in, in the board at Cardiff City. Bit of a shit show to tell you the truth. But um, for me personally, I'm, I'm happy he's gone because I felt it was going to happen one, one day. It was going to happen one way or the other from what I was heard. And this is when he no long came in. I knew it was, it was going to happen one way or the other because it was going to come. A day, The day was going to come when a massive conflict was going to arise. So um, me personally, I'm happy he's gone out. I just hope that Hudson has come in now and he can really um, just push the team forward because you could even tell even from the game when players were just very much behind him. Even him, he's on the sidelines shouting He's right in there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pleased that he uh, got relieved, to tell you the truth. You mentioned there about Mark Hudson. Is he the interim manager until you bring somebody permanent in or has, has he got the job? Uh, well, no, he's interim manager as as we speak. But this is a massive topic on our last episode um, of the podcast, a bit swaz, was that would we be happy having him towards the end of the season? Like I mentioned, it is seen as a free hit season. So would we be happy the season or to bring it in? And my opinion, I feel from what I've seen early on, I'd be more than happy to see him go towards the end of the season and to make sure the appointment that we bring in is right because now at the point we are as a club and as a team we need someone to just bring the club forward and maybe a young manager someone has a bit of passion for the club but a passion in progressing a team that's what we need and even if that, that could be Mark Hudson, come end of the season, we could find out that could be Mark Hudson. I think every Cardiff City fan would not be angry at that because he was our captain. He's just coming through the coaching staff as Steve Morrison's come back and you can just, you can tell he's at home. I wouldn't be angry if we had him until the end of the season. If anything, I'd be happy if we had him towards the end of the season, as long as our players progress and we see better football. A couple of players I'd like to talk about with you. A couple of former Wigan Athletic players. Shea Ojo, who was with us only for a short while. We had him on loan from Liverpool. And uh, yeah. someone who was turned into a bit of a cult hero at uh, our place, Cedric Kipre. I know you've only got him on loan from West Brom, but have the in pressure. Have both players in pressure. Ojo, we uh, originally had him two years ago with under under Mick on loan. He was pretty good on loan last time, but it was the, the way we played, it just did not suit him at all. It was it was pretty unfair on him, really, and he still did pretty well. So we brought him, obviously, back through the doors this season for free during the summer. And um, early on, I feel like he's just easing into it. I feel like players like that, they need to just ease, have a few more games under. But um, I see a few fans are not quite happy with him with his work rate, but I thought, I thought he's, he's playing quite well. I was a bit edgy on him in pre-season, but after watching him at Blackburn Tuesday, I seen the work um, work rate was there, and I thought he played a decent game. But um, I think we can't really make a judgment on Ojo until at least January time. I, I feel personally, he's coming. He's at, he's at number ten, which is uh, <laughs> quite uh, significant in in one way. But um, so I don't think we can make too much of a judge on it. But Cedric Kipri, this is me being honest, and. I'm sure a lot of your fan base can agree, but he is he is a hell of a player and he has fit right in, to tell you the truth. And as soon as you said he was seen as a cult hero at your your place, I could completely see why. And to be honest, come end of the season, he could be seen at the same as ours because you can just see when he plays the passion he's playing with, the just level of desire. And even in the game against Blackburn, he was, he was my man in the match personally. And a lot of fans there felt the same way. He was brilliant. Not only was he solid at the back, but he was picking at the ball, playing out wide, looking for the ball, stepping into different positions because he was playing most of the game at the back with Perry and G. 
He was only about 5'11 centre-half. He was really a right-back. So we was playing against, with, sorry, a more smaller centre-half partner. And them two were working really well in terms of just keeping the ball, playing it out, pushing the team up the field. But yeah, Kipra, he's, he's looking really well ever since he walked through the doors, to tell you the truth. One of them players that a lot of fans are looking at. Can we look to get him next season? He is definitely one of them. But yeah, really pleased with him so far. So you you mentioned Big Cedric there. And also you mentioned Harris earlier on. Who else should we be looking out for in the Cardiff team? Well, like I mentioned, there's 17 new players, so players are still try- finding their footing, to be honest, at the moment. But in terms of new signing, Callum Robertson, I believe he's come in, he's, he's looking sharp. He's the only player we bought in for money, which was a massive shock to the fan base because we didn't think we had any money to spend. Very happy with him so far. He looked, again, got the assist on Tuesday. He's had a few assists. He got his first goal. He got the equaliser against Burnley the week before, which was fantastic, a header. So he's really fit in and you can see he's really enjoying his football early on, so to say. But in terms of in the general squad players to look out for, I'd say Ruben Corwell. He's a Welsh international, Cardiff lad as well, one of our own 20 years of age. He's big, six foot four centre mid. When you look at him, you wouldn't think that's how he plays because he's more of an attack attacking midfielder. But um he's a real, he's a real dangerous player. Yeah, I'd say they're probably the two like gorgeous players in general for us to look out for. Moving on to Saturday then, you're coming up to our place. How do you see it going? When we were making predictions in our last episode, we had Blackburn, Burnley and yourself. Those are the three we reviewed in last episode. I asked my fellow co-hosts, I was like, how much points do you think we're going to get and who from? And to be honest, I don't, I'll only hope was to get points against you guys, to be honest, because we had hard fixtures. But we've already picked up three points because obviously we're aware of your home record. But you haven't looked too bad this season, to tell you the truth. And you haven't, you've got a, well, you're higher in the league than us. It's pretty much of every kind of game. You really don't know this season. You really don't know because we're playing a different football. We've got a complete different side. And even um, in the Burnley game, we played the 4-4-2. We haven't played 4-4-2 all season. And that's just Marcus and pulled it out. So you don't know what lineup's going to come up. You don't know what team's going to turn up. So it's pretty much a pick up the hat, really. I feel with the quality we got on our side, I feel I feel we could pick up a point at your place away from home. I, re- I really do. Because although you said you haven't got the best home record, you're, you're not looking a bad outfit this season. But I, I'm going to go for, I think, a 1-1. I really do think a 1-1. It's been brilliant having you on, Brandon. So before you leave us, could you let our listeners know where they can pick up your podcast and grab a listen to your preview of our game we're on spotify apple a bit of swaz podcast a kind of city podcast spotify apple and our twitter as well at swaz pod thank you very much thank you for having me on enjoy saturday but not too much uh, we'll try we'll say go yeah so well done again barry on getting an excellent guest in uh in, in brandon gave us a lot of uh, detail seems to be a pattern at the moment that the latics are playing sides who are either recently appointed managers or have recently got rid of managers so i don't really know what that kind of means for us uh, on, uh, on on saturday i liked his view of um previous recruits i mean i think audio was was a Mackay player from uh, from memory. And I think anyone who came in in the Mackay era, even though he's having bad form at the moment, Harry Maguire was there in the Mackay era. <laughs> so uh, the Kipri one, though, doesn't surprise me at all. I remember our first season in the Championship under Paul Cook, and there were a lot of... Uh, might have been the second season, actually. It was the second season under Cook where there were a lot of people calling for Kipri to not be in the side. It didn't didn't seem to rate him. But I have to say, that run of games, when he came in alongside Naismith for the 
I think it was that West Brom game when we were really short of players. He was exceptional. It really surprised me that he didn't play much at West Brom last year. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he's well-liked at Cardiff. You know, for me, one of our best centre-backs we've we've actually ever had. I'm really, one of the biggest shames that he was another fire sale, wasn't he? In terms of kind of what he's thinking ahead of the game on um, on Saturday, I think is pretty similar to what I, I, I would think. Uh, and, and I think we've got to throw in that um, Harris, you know, is a, is a, is a player that uh, to look out for. All in all, I thought, again, another excellent preview. Gives us a lot to talk about. I just wish that we, we stopped having to talk for the first five minutes about change of managers. Can you not find as a team, Barry, who's not changed the manager? Well, I've ref watched. Referee is James Bell from Sheffield, and he's in his third season as a referee in the Football League, having graduated from the National League, where he had just the one campaign. He has now been promoted to the Select Group 2, following two seasons on the national list. He last refereed the Latics at the DW back in August, when we lost 5-1 against Burnley. And this will be James Bell's fifth Latics game. He's card watched so far this season. He's taken charge of six games, four of which have come in the Championship. He's issued 19 yellows, one red, and he's awarded two penalties. And he's refereed Cardiff just once before, and that came last season in the EFL Cup, which was a 2-0 home defeat to Brighton back in August of 2021. And that's James Bell, who will be your referee on Saturday. And moving on to previous matches against Cardiff City, we've played them 29 times before and we've got the upper hand in terms of results, having won 12 of those matches and and lost six and we've made 11 draws in that time. Uh, Our first meeting came way back in the 82-83 season when we lost 3-2 at Ninian Park. Uh, the old Cardiff ground in September. We then drew the return fixture 0-0 at Springfield in April 83. Our last meeting came at the Cardiff City Stadium in February two years ago, or three seasons ago now, isn't it? With two Kiefer Moore goals securing a 2-2 draw. One of those, I think, was one of his back heels, I think, wasn't it? One of those little flicky back heels. We won the opening game of the season that campaign, 3-2 against Cardiff at the DW, with Michael Jacobs, Josh Windus, and Lee Evans scoring for Latics. But of course, Omar Bogle did his usual trick of scoring against us for Cardiff. I haven't got a memorable game. I don't think of playing Cardiff at home. The opening game of that season was the one that jumped out to me. Mine was the um, 4-0 win over Cardiff. It was under Paul Jewell. Don't remember much about the game, but I do remember the Simon Howarth reaction to the Cardiff fans. And let's just say that didn't go down too well with the uh, Latics faithful. And I think the following uh, week was sold. Paul, have you any? No, I was just trying to think. No, it's, it, there's not a lot of rivalry between us and them, is there? I think the season we got promoted on 100 points, did they come up with us that season? Did they come up via the playoffs? I'm sure they beat Bristol City in the playoffs that season. 2003, that, weren't it? Yeah, they did, yeah. They just they, they were the ones who were pushing through for second place because we were so good on our 100 points. Yes. Well, we talked about this the other week. That's why That's why it was fresh in my head. Right, let's get to some, some predictions. I'm just going to go straight in. And I think we'll put Wednesday out of our system. And I think we're going to get our first storm win. It's not going to be too comfortable. I can see Callum Robinson grabbing a goal for them. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Latics win. I think broadly like you, Barry, I think there'll be a, 
a response from last night. And I think at some point we've got to break our duck at home and I'm hoping that's going to come on Saturday. I still don't think we're as kind of free-flowing up front as as we would like. So I'm going to keep it to a 1-0 win, I think. I think there might be a couple of changes. One might, I think Bennett might come in against his former club to allow McLean to play further forward. Hopefully Lange will be back from fitness and I think Shinny will come in for Naylor. It's a tough one to predict because without managerial change, but we've got to win at home eventually. So I'm going to go with Barry and go with a 2-1. Right, well, I think Barry and Pete have got the ingredients perfect. There will be a reaction. It'll be a significant reaction and I'm going to go 4-1. Whoa. Get in there, Paul. Get in there. Go big. Go big. Yeah. Well, we've, it's been a bit, a bit of a different podcast tonight where we've had a guest on talking in, in the reaction from the opposition. We'll see how, how it gets reacted to on, on off our listeners and if we can do more of them throughout the season if, if it's well received then then we will try and set some up but Ant is a very knowledgeable guest and I thought he was very good mm. so it's good to have nice him on guy as well. yeah. Yeah. yeah it was good to help us out as well so we didn't have to pick a man of the match because that would have been very difficult I was going to come to that before we finish the man of the match was very close between Max Power and Ryan Niambe but uh, going through the votes on twice uh, Ryan Niambi has just hit Maxi to, to the accolade of man of the match. I voted for Maxi, but anyway, we'll be back on Sunday with the reaction to the win against Cardiff. There you go, I've said it. And we'll be looking forward to the rearranged Lancashire Hot Pop between ourselves and Blackburn Rovers at the DW Stadium. So until Sunday, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye, goodbye from us. Up the ticks. Up the ticks. Come on. <laughs>